0: welcome to the blue collar gold podcast the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up and now your host
1: mark stoner hello and welcome back to the blue collar gold podcast i'm your host mark stoner coming to you from las vegas uh this week we are at the uh National Chimney Sweep Guild Convention. And for those of you that aren't in the chimney business, this is a gathering of members of the trade association that we all kind of get together. It's a big trade show, but there's also classes and special speakers to teach us how to run our businesses better. And if you are in any kind of business, I highly recommend getting to uh, join your guilds and your associations. Uh, It's a great way to learn, network, and and really improve your business in your specific, uh, field of work. And so, at this event, I, uh, you know, COVID has really shut us down for a couple of years. And in our industry specifically, we're very social. We're a very social group. We really like to be around each other and, and we miss that. And I think we're different than a lot of industries just because of our social aspect and the part that we really like to help each other and we really cheer each other on. And I was walking through the halls and I saw a dear friend of mine, Bob Ferrari Uh, has been a mentor of mine. Uh, He and I spoke on several stages together, and I always love to hear Bob speak, and and he always has an interesting take on things. Well, my dear friend has gone through some really, really difficult life cards and things that have happened to him, and uh, we all uh felt with him about what he went through and uh i was i was speaking to him outside and i said man would you uh, would you be willing to talk about what you go through because what you've gone through because it's a lot but a lot of people go through things and sometimes hearing other people going through things can be helpful and he graciously said yes so he's sitting next to me so welcome bob to the show Mm -hmm. Good afternoon. Well, Bob, um, tell everybody kind of who you are and, and, and what you've been, you know, what, what brought you to the space and then, and then let's just talk about what's happened. Well, I know
0: Mark from chimneys <laughs> and we're in the same industry. And so our past began to cross a few years ago. And, um, and I, I've been a chimney sweep in Northern California for, um, you oh, know, 38 years. And one of the big changes, uh, well, one of the things that was in my business was that my son worked with me in it and he came on board. We worked together for 21 years really? in the business. And then, um, his life was, uh, moving a little different direction. His two oldest children had moved up to Portland and my daughter and her family who are kind of a center of our family culture. Uh, they lived in Vancouver, Washington, right across the river from Portland. And and he and his wife wanted to move up there and be near them. And one of our chimney suppliers uh, offered him a job and it would allow that to happen. And he was pretty upset when that came to pass. He yeah. came to me and said, man... You know, I've been offered a job. He's he was my right arm. And we worked not all fathers and sons could work well together. I certainly couldn't have worked with my father. Um, but we could. We worked all these years really, really well. Um, but I encouraged him to take that job because it was really gonna be where he could move forward into his next step and the things that that he wanted. And so um, that was a pretty big shift in our family with uh, them moving out of town and um, and in my my business was okay you know i mean it's it maybe was good good for that to take place i don't know but but anyway he he took that job and they were gone and um, i i was i had a lot of business vision To build my business a certain way, I had some setbacks as far as uh, my market area with Mm -hmm. the drought almost put me under. I lost the first year of the California drought, which started around 2013. I lost 40% of my business and the next year I lost another 25%. Wow. In three years with only a wood stove for my sole source of heat in my house, a 2,000 square foot ranch style Nothing special. House, uh, no other source of heat. I burnt a half a cord of wood in three years. Oh wow! So during that time, there was no, there was nothing. There was, there were hard no, to be in the chimney business. Yeah, and the way we got into the house was through the chimney, and then we could do other services once we were there, but. We couldn't get in. There was no work in the spring. There was no work in the fall. You couldn't. You had to market now dryer vents and air ducts and everything else that we would normally sell on a chimney visit. Now you had to market four different things, and I was just sinking. And during that time, Hosh, uh, my son, he he blew his knee out skiing. His son was a ski racer, and we were off skiing together. And the last screw they put in uh, split his femur. and so that year he was off ladders for over a year and uh and then eventually this whole other change of, of life came a couple years after that it was a lot of pretty high stress i mean i woke up one around christmas one year i was In the middle of the night, and I thought I was being rolled up in a carpet full of snakes and scorpions that were biting me. (laughs) And I thought, okay, I'm done. This (laughs) stress is off the charts Mm -hmm. and I need I need to change. So and, you know, we managed to battle our way through that and um, and really, really came out right in the middle of that. I. I opened a second location. I opened a retail store. I, that. I, I needed, I needed traction, and it was. I just had to do something, and I was about three. You know, my balance sheet. I was maybe three hundred thousand dollars in the hole, and, but. Um, winter came back and we got right back out of it and rebuilt everything got it got it going i never quite got to a third location which is what i was really trying to do as far as my written vision went um but by then hosh had moved and i was getting tired And he wanted me to be able to get out of the business. And he was now working for a distributor. So he's talking to chimney guys. And somebody asked him if he knew anybody that wanted to sell their business. And he goes, well, you should talk to my dad. And so we, me and this guy sat down and talked. And um, we made a deal to sell my business. And that had started a, a year ago, November or December, and then, you know the process takes some months to get through. and and, uh, but Hosh had brokered it. And then, four days before we were to close, Hosh died. Hmm. And uh, that is nothing. Uh, to lose your business, nothing compared to lose your child. I mean, i don't I wouldn't care about anything else. And so, in seven months, then from that moment, it was just obviously just broke us. It was sudden. It was a pulmonary embolism. There's no way to save him. Uh, and getting that call is is just it's just shattering. So you we can imagine it, uh, but the reality is is even worse in my experience. Now, I know there's probably people listening to this who've lost children, had great griefs, and all of us do it a little bit differently. And so let me say right now that I am not a professional grief person. And so anything that I say has to do with my my grief and my grieving, um, which may or may not fit you. I think some things we all hold in common in it, but other parts of it are very personal, and even within our family, it's that way. And we recognize that, and we allow everybody to grieve their way. So, we had more big, big life rocks in the next seven months. So this this began. Hash died a year ago, last week, and um, and I sold my business, my career, everything I'd done for almost 40 years and retired, but now I didn't, I had a plan to kind of take a sabbatical and find out what my next calling is, what should I do, but we were just blown up. Uh, in in August, we celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary, and my wife that I only knew five weeks before we got married. <laughs> she is the <laughs> sweetest person too, <laughs> man. And uh, we we fought our way through that relationship, making sure that we built we built a strong family. We built the the things that we wanted that were important to us. And um, you know, then we I turned seventy, which is a crazy. Just feels crazy <laughs> to you know to really for sure provable be an old man (laughs) and uh but that's another milestone age you know and and uh and there's things I feel like the clock's ticking down there's other things I want to do and there's no reason for me to keep doing chimney work or business work there's things I've enjoyed about it but now I think it's time to do some other stuff and and also to share some of the experience I've gained over the years yeah. uh, and give back. So if that can happen, I'd, I'd like it to, but I don't know what that's going to look like yet. And then my dad, who's still alive, turned 95. And then my grandson and I, my daughter's oldest boy, uh, we, he is living on his own. He's 20 years old a creative, super creative kid. He's a videographer. He was being flown to New York and LA to take do videos of musicians and people. He's twenty years old. He had forty thousand dollars in the bank. Wow. He he was a fashion kid. He sewed clothes and I mean really really entrepreneurial and creative. And um he and I, uh, I, I said, you know, I'm going to go, I'm planning on wandering up the spine of Washington State and looking for beauty. I'm
1: well, to, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Bob's a big mountaineer hiking guy, and, and, and a lot of his stories are about that, so that's what you were doing with him, right? Well,
0: it, it was more than just that. Our goal, I asked him if he wanted to go, and he said yes. And so we're going to take at least two weeks. We had no plan, but we were going to hike every day and we were going to do photography. But we were seriously going to look for beauty. And beauty is one of the three foundations of ethics. You have, you have truth, right, and beauty. And in our culture, we don't look at beauty very often as part of that. Things are either, you know, deal with it, this is what's right, move linear along this, and we forget the aesthetics that wrap our heart in a different place that can be very healing. The place where I think art is supposed to bring us, but a lot of times it hasn't. But most of us have been touched in some way aesthetically before That that's different from somebody just telling us something. We've, we're experiencing something on a deeper level. And we went looking for that. We went seeing if wow. we and We just had this time, grandpa and grandson. And um, I'm sharing the grandpa's stories for him to carry off into his future And and we got back. We just had this great. We took hundreds of pictures, and and we found out we both had shared a similar eye for design and that you know. And it was just so much fun. And two days after we got back, he died. My gosh. And that. And so now we're. I've lost my grandson, and I have to watch my child go through losing a child having just lost a child myself and so I don't I don't know how to express it and they don't even know what happened yet all the autopsies have been inconclusive for him he was actually working on his computer on photos that we'd taken on our trip so that (laughs) that's my past year and so Going through that, you know, how do you deal with that? What do you, what are you supposed to feel like? And so what I, what I told Mark, what I told you the other day is, you know, you wake up and you're in a different world. You had this one world and this one that you wake up in looks the same, but it's not. It's no longer the same. There's this hole in it. When we see pictures of my daughter and her other two boys and husband skiing, and they take a picture of themselves, and there's this, face missing. Mm. We had a missing at Christmas. We had our first year of first things. The first time that it was Hasha's birthday. The first time it was Jacob's birthday. He was a month short of his 21st birthday. The, the first time everybody else had birthdays and dad wasn't there or brother wasn't there, son wasn't there. And it's a path and it's not a path that in my way of thinking that you you follow until it ends, and now you're done with that. You don't get done. It's not going to be over. You're always going to live in this other world that has now changed everything. And instead, uh, grief grief is how we carry our love. So you you've got all this love, and those of you who have children, and those of you who like your children. I guess some people don't, but <laughs> uh, I
1: like mine. <laughs>
0: you know, when my children were born. I didn't know that you could hold fire that hot Mm -hmm. in love for your children. I never knew. And and you have the first one, and you're like, I I shouldn't have any more. I'll never be able to love like this. And then you do, and there's enough love for them. And you have another, and there's enough for them. And it's, it's just like that, you know, and you're full of it. And when that person... Who's the recipient of all of that? Dies. That love is still there. It doesn't mm-hmm. go anywhere. It does wow. not. It's undestroyed, and now it has no object. Hush called me every day. Every single day he called. Not just me. He called everybody in the family. Hey, how's it going? You know what's mm-hmm. going on. And we'd call him and talk to him and say, Hey, this is what's what's going on, and none of that's there. So love requires intention love is not easy it doesn't matter if even if they're your children you still have to intend what you're going to do your life is going to change if you're going to give yourself into them you can't just do what you want now you've got these people that you care for and that you want to care for which makes a lighter burden burden but it still requires intentionality right yeah i never thought of it like that and so you develop the musculature to carry that love and to make it happen. Mm. And when they die, you don't have that place to put that. And the way I've looked at it is you've developed all of the strength and all of this musculature to carry this love. And now you have to carry it differently. Mm. And grief is how we carry our love but you have to develop these new muscles for it. And I don't, I'm do not i not saying I know
1: what they are. I'm just learning this as I go. Well, you know, when you and I were talking, you said that the other thing was the way people try to help you and try to talk to you. And, what, you know, what what is the right thing? Or how does that play out? Well, you know, it's... It's probably different
0: in some ways for everybody. Um, There are no words that comfort, okay? And you can't fix it. And one of the things that happens when you're around somebody in deep grief, it's really uncomfortable to be around them because you want to make it better. And you can't, there's no possible way to make it better. So sometimes you say inane things like, well, at least you had them for that long or, you know, great. Wasn't it great that you did this trip? And it is great, but that's not comforting, right? you know, and you're not. And depending at the point you are in grief for the first few months, for me anything you said, uh, wouldn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And so intellectually, I could say, boy, I had this wonderful trip with my grandson. It doesn't make it better, though. No. it It doesn't mean that was a bad thing, or I'm denying it. It just doesn't make it better. So comfort comes from a different place. Like my wife and daughter... They'll pull out pictures and look and cry. They'll weep and just love looking at I can't even look at them. I can't look at the pictures. Neither can my Mm. son-in-law. And I don't know if that's a man-woman thing. I don't know if other people go through that. But it just rips me so hard to just have to see the pictures. And... So we do that differently. So my wife, you know, she'll be looking at him and she'll text me a picture. Look what mm. I did. And I'll be doing something and just start bawling, you know, oh, and, and, uh, and that's their, but that's their way of sharing and grieving and loving and continuing their love and developing how, how their strength. And you, you go through weird things in your head. Like if I stop feeling bad, I don't want to. I never want to feel good again.
1: Right. You Uh, said that, like, you felt guilty for feeling good.
0: Absolutely. You you go, if I start feeling good, then maybe I'm abandoning that person. And intellectually, you know that's not true, but it's a real feeling. And so you have to acknowledge it. You have to say, I am feeling this. And now I'm setting that aside because it's not going to serve me for anything. We did the same thing with asking why. It doesn't serve us to ask why. It's unanswerable. Right. It's completely unanswerable. And then people will say, you know, well, God works in mysterious ways, or it's like whatever.
1: <laughs> We've heard it all now. <laughs> you, you also said something that was interesting. That you now pick a time to grieve. Yeah, and my daughter
0: and her husband really um, brought that out, and. So at, at first you're just shattered. I mean, for me, I don't even know how I, I was in Chico about an hour and a half from home when my daughter-in-law called and I generally had spent the night down there. And she said, I, you know, at first she called and said, it's bad. It looks bad. And so I just closed the store. I the store was closed, but I hung a sign on it said, you know, I wasn't going to be there tomorrow. And called my son, called my, my wife and, and, um, start driving home. And then I got the call part way that he didn't make it. And you shouldn't be driving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you can't see the road. You can't, Mm. you, you don't know where everything's lost. All of your dimensions are gone. You're, you can't think. Mm. and you're just screaming and feeling the screams and they're like from another person and and I had to pull off and and sob and then drive a little ways and pull off and and finally make it home well if you get in a car wreck that pretty much just adds misery right it's a bad thing to do and and when we're trying to cope, you'll drink too much, you'll eat too much, or eat too little, or you got a business to run and responsibilities to do, and you won't do them because you're just distracted into this whole other space that you're trying to sort out. But despite all of that that's going on, You have pain, and the pain's not going to go away, or it it goes away however pain ends up going away. But you have suffering, and there's a certain amount of suffering that we bring on ourselves. And we don't have to add to it. We don't have Mm -hmm. to keep saying or drinking or driving or doing things that might harm us further and create more suffering than we need. And I think we have to keep an eye on that. And we keep our family is good at talking about that and not and what i found that i think we do pretty well is that we're authentic about how we're feeling and we have the freedom to just start bawling we have the freedom to not we have the freedom to laugh and we when we talk about it that we can be really who we are in that moment and we can grieve in our way. We can love in our way. And we're going to talk about it. I'm going to call my daughter-in-law and not just say how you're doing, because everybody comes up and goes, hey, how you doing? And my final response has been, it's complicated. I don't want to say fine. Right. Um, you know, I say fine, given what's going on or what's gone on. And even though that's true, but I'm not very good at glib stuff <laughs> right I'm just You're not a straight shooter yeah I have too much of a philosophical bent in me or something that to just say man if I'm feeling crappy I'm just gonna say you know actually this is an emotional week this is you start coming up on the anniversary of that death and and um and many many people have gone through that not just the death of a child but any loved one you start coming towards that anniversary and weird emotions can come up even when it's been decades later and and we need to acknowledge those they're real they're not something we need to push down or say or, and people come and say to us months in and well okay it's time to get over that you should just move on it's time to move on well yeah it no it isn't right it is not time
1: to move on how do you um how do you talk to your daughter about it? Like, how do you console her? Is it the same process or is it different because it's your daughter? Like, how do you do that? We hold each other. And that's all. She's
0: good. Um, we were talking. Well, I was. Let me, let me go back for one minute. Don't no, <clears throat> worry. Because we were going to say uh, one of the ways that you deal with and not initially, because there's, I mean, initially you're just broke. You you can't handle stuff, but you have to handle things. And one of the ways to do it is to have a time to grieve right? and be intentional in your grief. And so at 830 at night, I'm going to grieve. And you just go, I got to get these things done today. I have to, if I don't go do the grocery shopping, if I don't, deal with my employees if I don't go to the bank or whatever it is that you have these stupid mundane things that you don't care about they still have to be done in order to to live and to not suffer even more for no good reason but you also have to grieve and and so what you do is you give yourself permission to set it aside for that moment now sometimes it just overwhelms you and that's just how it is you just have to pull over let it pass But then at night, like my daughter and her family and her boys or her husband, they'll get together and say, well, okay, we're meeting and we're going to pray together or we're going to maybe everybody feels okay. Nobody needs to say anything. Other times they'll say, no, I needed to write this letter and this is what I wrote to my brother or whatever it is. But you've got a time that that can take place. And that you can go into your grief and you can think about it. And I guess it has some intentionality about that. You are intending to, you're not burying it. You're not denying it. That's, That's where things get weird. And you can get yourself real sick from that. But you're also... Not denying that you still have a world that you live in. You still have other loved ones that need you and you need them. And you have another whole life that's still there sitting in front of you. And you have lots of things that you are thankful for, even in the midst of this one big, huge thing that you're not thankful for. Yeah at least not yet. Maybe that happens at some point. I don't know. But you're not thankful for it. You're not going, great. Oh, my child died. How good is that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. That would be pretty strange. But some people expect you to say that, to feel that. It's time to be over that. You know, you had your time. You got it. Now move on. And, And so they're mostly people who are trying to cover themselves. It's painful for them and they don't know how to deal with the pain. So they'll say things. When I was a pastor, there was a, a family with a 12 year old boy and him and his friend were doing something with a pistol in the house and it went off and it killed him. And I went and sat with that family and that's all you could do. You just sat there. There isn't anything to say. Some people would want to be alone. Some people want to be with somebody else Sometimes you have to ask that um, and hope that that person will just say, yes, it's okay, I'll be here for me. Sometimes it's not okay at that moment, but it is later. So everybody has to be authentic. They, you just have to tell the truth about this is how I am, this is how I feel. And and if you're in relationship with somebody going through that, you have to just let them do it.
1: You said, um, you said something too that was interesting that, Sometimes when people are trying to say, you know, say something, a lot of times it's to make them feel comfortable. It is. It's, and and you were like, that's not my job to make you feel comfortable. And <laughs> well,,
0: yeah, so I might use bad words to you if I feel like it because i'm I don't want I'm carrying my grief, and it's hard. And sometimes we're exhausted by it. It's all we can carry. And then if you come because it's very uncomfortable, and I I get it. I've been there. I've been with people, and you want to comfort them. You want it to all be okay. And, and so you say some platitude. Right. And I don't want to carry you. Exactly. It's too much. I can't carry you. I just want you to go away. Mm-hmm. And... On the other hand, you know, I know that I also need people. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that, so I've said, I've shared it. I shared it today in in my class, you know, that I don't really like animals. No, right? you don't? Yeah, I don't. I don't like
1: animals. I always thought you did with all the gifts given you. always focused on the animals.
0: Well, well I did. I focused <laughs> on them because people were saying, Oh, you don't like dogs. Well, I've had dogs. I'm not scared of dogs. I had, what I don't like is being licked. <laughs> but one of the th- problems is that animals die, and they die in a shorter period. And, you know, my first experience of grief was having my dog die in my arms after getting hit by a car. And, mm. you know, and and somewhere in there, I'm just like, yeah, I'm done with this. I don't, <laughs> I don't need this all the time and so but yeah lots of people you know, the way i took pictures of their dogs and that was to solve that problem people were saying oh you don't like you don't like dogs and what they were saying is you hate my baby <laughs> and so what i would do is take a picture of their dog and then send a dog a card
1: yeah I remember to, that.
0: yeah that dear was- fido you know take care of that old lady who feeds you and you know see you next year sorry you got put in that little room but
1: (laughs) that's hilarious yeah
0: and it worked i mean today talking about appreciation marketing in my seminar that's what that is it's noticing what is valuable to that person and just reflecting that back to them their dog or their pet whatever it was is important to them it may not be important to me but it's important to them. And when I reflect that, I recognize that I have complimented them. I have told them, I notice you, I see you. And that brings a bonding of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and so in terms of grief and with somebody grieving like that, it's the same thing. You got to know what's valuable to them. Is it solitude? Is it a hug? Can you, there's all kinds of things that happen when we hug each other. My daughter, you, you can go and watch our, the memorial service for her son, my grandson, Jacob. And, uh, so she was, she was going, she and her husband were going out of town to a conference someplace for a week. And I was coming up, I I came up and I got him. And the other boys were in school and, um, so I, ha- I have this truck, and it's got you know a rooftop tent, and we're sleeping in that, and we're cruising dirt roads in the back country, and I got it all loaded up, and and we're taken off, and she hasn't left for her trip; she's living, leaving in a few days, and she gave, she she gives her boys thirty-second hugs mm. because the longer that you touch like that, there's. There's a release of different hormones and oxytocin and serotonin and things that make us feel good and that bond us. And she gave him a one minute, a long, a super long hug. And she stayed outside while we drove away and waved. And that was the last time she saw him alive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, two weeks later, he's gone. And she got back, they got back that Friday and he was supposed to meet him. And he didn't come, and he didn't respond to texts, and she and him were so close. And she's going, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. And sure enough, he had died. And uh, so she never saw him alive again from that. And, you know, especially greeting somebody maybe that you're not you're acquainted with, but you're not, doesn't know that whole story, doesn't know that whole part. It's not part of that. How can you enter into it? How, and You just got to be careful what you say because you don't really know what's going on. You don't know how deep this goes. You don't know what happened before and during and after. And and so sometimes the best thing is just to be quiet and just hold, hold somebody mm-hmm. and touch them. And I always thought, that in my grief, I hate grief. I hated it. It's so painful, each animal that died, each person in my life that's gone. And I always thought I would want to be really, really private. Leave me alone. Let me go in a room. And sometimes I do. That's what I I want. But I found also through this that I need people. I don't need their words. The words do not comfort. There, there is no comfort. I have a very good friend who didn't come to memorials. Go, Man, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. And I said, well, I needed you. I needed you. Mm-hmm. And there are no words. You can't say words. Don't, please don't say words. Right. But be there and mm-hmm. check up on us. So what we do with each other, you know, I call my granddaughters. They call me. My I call my daughter. I call my daughter-in-law. She calls me. And... We're not asking how you doing because, you know, we might as as well say, well, I'm doing crappy or I'm doing great or I'm guilty about doing great or I mean, it's just complicated. But we want to make sure that we're talking about how we feel in that moment that we know that we're loved by each other, that we're holding each other close to our hearts and we're dealing with fears. I mean, you have two just utterly ravishing deaths like that close together. We're gun shy. Is another shoe going to drop? Mm. And that can mess you up pretty bad. You end up in fear and living in fear. And we're not going to do that. We're just not. We're just saying we're giving it all. We The one thing about these relationships is really we don't have regrets. We did love each other. We did care for each other. We weren't perfect by a long shot. Nobody is. And we can point out the flaws that are there. But really, we we can say that we were close. And we did love each other. And we know with Hosh, we, every single one of us knows what his very last words to us were, and they were, love you, bye. Because mm. it always ended. He said stuff like that in mm. the middle of customer's living rooms. They'd call us up and go, what kind of company is this? <laughs> who, who? We'd just go, well, you know, that's my son, and we love each other, and we say so. <laughs> and we don't really care who, who hears it. And Marina and I, we did that intentionally. We met a family once it stayed with us with some teenagers who kept saying, I love you we said we're going to build that that's what we're going to do we are going to have teenagers who will sit on our lap in front of other people and say i love you mm-hmm. and we did we did that mm-hmm. and it was so good it transformed my whole family cuz you know my father and i we didn't get along we fought we had fist fights um, he disowned me at one time but we healed that relationship. It took a long time. We healed that relationship. When my parents needed to be near people because of the t- their time of life and age, they came to my town to live by us. Mm. And I'm proud of it. And we, because of that intentionality, we healed our family going back in time, as well as going to the future time. And that you have to decide to do. I mean it's not it's not automatic, it doesn't just happen, you have to decide and then you have to talk about it, and you have to intend to do it, and then you have to notice when you've missed the target. And then you have to say you're sorry and pick up and start again and do it because and it's worth that. I don't know what it would be like to have regrets on top of everything else.
1: You know, I've known you for a long time and one of the things I've always respected about you is ever since I've known you, you've had intentionality with almost everything you've done, like in your business and the perfect day exercise and very intentional about, you know, your your family life and your personal life and the way your business is. And and just listening to you right now, I can hear the intentionality and. The grieving process it's kind of who you are and how you go through you know they say how you do anything is how you do everything <laughs> and it seems like that's that's how you're moving through this what other, what would you, else would you do, right? right? I mean,
0: I know that I you've can. done some intentionality yourself, <laughs> and I know that about you. And because if we don't, Ellen Rohr, who was my business coach, said, you can either choose it to do it, or it can be done to you. Right. What do you want? You want it just to happen to you, or you
1: want to make happen what you want? Well, you know, my mother lost her father at 21, and she never, she never, every she never recovered from it. It was, it was always part of her life in a negative way. And on my personal side of of dealing with grief, she just, it was like her life ended at, at the the good part of her life ended, and she never really recovered. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I can tell that you have a methodology about how you live your life that is kicking into gear and it's, it's, it's your processing of things that I respected a lot. I, I learn a lot from you every time you talk and I've told you that from the beginning, you you said stuff and it changed my life. You said something else and it changed me. and. You know, and to see a good friend go through, you know, this, I just, you know, I'm, I'm so respectful of you. But I also am watching you because we learn from you. You know, you're a very wise person and you have a ton of life experiences. I want you back on the podcast talking about your early life because it's, <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, I appreciate you sharing. Is there anything in closing that you would like to talk about or end with? if
0: you know I got asked on on another interview you know they said what would you tell your younger self or what's the secret to success and I, what I absolutely believe that it is whether it's success in grief or whether it's success in business or the things that we count as wins or whether things that we count as losses that the most important thing is to be authentic to be real and to be honest with how we really 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 are and it's i say that and it's hard to do sometimes but it's the most important thing because then we have we have real clay to work with i have to remold my life i'm now right now i call it i'm in a stage where I'm pushing the reset button. Okay, so I need to still find out what's my calling. What I can't go on an eternal vacation or something like that as a retired person. It's not. I don't think it'll be fulfilling nor sustainable. But I don't know who I should be now. Now it's not the first time I've had to reinvent myself. Many of us have done that, and the process is just a little tedious sometimes. You just like to get it over and figure out the next thing, go do it, but. With all of this that's happened, it's taken longer. And, uh, but we, we have family involved. We, I have my other two children. They, we have their children. The, my daughter's sons who've lost a brother. She and her husband who've lost a child. The other, Mahasha's family, the three children that lost their father. And now a, a daughter-in-law who's lost her husband. And we all need to pull together and be real about who we are, about what's going on. And sometimes they're saying, I feel good, actually. I feel pretty good. And I I feel guilty about it. Okay. It's okay to feel good. Yeah. You know, and it's okay to feel bad. And it's going to be both. And sometimes you feel both at the same time. And it's really confusing and jittery. But we talk about it. And we make sure that we reach out. And hold on to each other so that, you know, in the end, we're all going to die. It's going to happen. We're going to lose everything that we have. And I hope that the things that we lose are precious to us Mm -hmm. because that's the only things that are worth getting and that are going to be worth losing in the end.
1: Mm man i love you I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a hug on air dude <laughs> i'll be a 30 second hug <laughs> i appreciate you man so much well guys uh i i appreciate you bob thank you for sharing i hope you guys um that are listening got as much out of it as i did i i just like listening to bob talk and i hope you did too all right guys that's our time for this week we'll talk to you soon Thanks for listening to the
0: Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.